for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright, shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. This is Jay Kokorowski. We got John McNamara here live broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studio. Of course, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. Remember, first-time customers only. And, folks, it is game week. We are really excited just to college football season. I know week zero just happened and you saw Miami and Florida. You saw Hawaii and Arizona, that crazy finish. And now we get to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers and their week one opponent in the, in the South Florida Bulls. And John, with that, we had player availability. We had coach availability with head coach Paul Christ earlier on Sunday and the depth chart was released. First off, hope you have had a great weekend. And second, anything stand out to you when it comes to the depth chart that was given out on Sunday? Yeah, not really. Um, I, I think if you uh, had been paying attention to, you know, badgerblitz.com and then our podcast as well, you know, Jack Cohn being the starting quarterback certainly wasn't a surprise. Um, so I think, you know, the people who followed the program pretty closely for fall camp knew that coming in. Um, you know, I, I think the offense kind of across the board was, you know, pretty much what you expected, maybe with the exception of Quintess Cephas uh, cracking the two deep. Uh, you know, I, that was something I expected at some point this fall, you know, probably sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, right away in week one, I think that's, uh, you know, a really good sign for Wisconsin. Obviously, he's he's cleared and ready to play. Um, you know, we didn't know how much we would see of him for South Florida. I know that Paul Chris was asked about that as well. Uh, today at his press conference, but you know, with him being uh, you know on the on list on the depth chart, you would imagine that he's going to get significant reps uh, on, on Friday against South Florida. Right, and you know, you hit it on the head. QB one, Jack Cohn, from what we've seen in fall camp practices, and based off of our analysis, it was not a surprise. Based off of his accuracy, the ability to drive the ball downfield, stretch the defenses, and just consistently lead the team, the offense to success uh, with touchdowns and whatnot. He looked sharp and it was probably the, in my opinion, one of the sharpest fall camps I've seen from a Wisconsin quarterback. And we'll see obviously going forward to what happens in future fall camps, especially with Graham Mertz and Chase Wolf listed as co number two quarterbacks. And we'll see how that pans out. Uh, we'll have some uh, over unders uh, with some season predictions coming up down the road uh, down actually in just probably about 20 minutes or so we'll have that. But, uh, and you hit Quintus Cephas, you know, do, let me ask you this with him being a surprise in the two deep right now, the starters are Kendrick Pryor, AJ Taylor, Danny Davis, of course, is going to be in the two deep. Maybe we thought Jack Dunn or Adam Crumholtz, probably more done based off what he more from the open practices looked like he stood out a little bit more than Crumholtz. Though both had a, in my opinion, a spectacular fall camp from what we saw, but do you feel like we need to bump up our predictions from last week about Quintez Cephas catching his first touchdown pass? I'm almost tempted to say week two, if he's in the two deep now, I think against central Michigan, he gets, he gets a touchdown pass. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think last week we said week four, you know, would you take the the over on that or the under? And I think 
both of us took the over just because at that time when we talked the last time for the podcast, we didn't know if he was going to be cleared. We didn't know what his status was. We didn't know when he was returning to practice. But, you know, with this, um, you know, he's, the, the, the guys you know, are still talking about, you know, him needing to get in that kind of, you know, get game ready. But in terms of his physical shape, you know, he looks, you know, from all indications, obviously we, we have not been able to see him live, but, you know, all indications are that he's he's right up to speed there. And um, I know that, you know, his his time away from the program, he's, he, he did a lot of training and, uh, you know, he put some videos out on, on Instagram of him working and, uh, you know, trying not to lose a step as he was, you know, obviously dealing with some stuff away from the football field. So, yeah, I would say, you know, if, if he caught a touchdown pass against South Florida, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I would expect him to get some significant reps. Um, you know, this isn't like, you know, in the NFL, you traded for some guy here and, you know, he needs to learn the playbook. Um, you know, he's he's going to come in and he's going to, uh, you know, by all accounts, know what's going on. And uh, he's also very good as a blocker, too. And I think that's another reason why he's going to see the field. Uh, because we know how much that's valid in, in Wisconsin's offense. So I would say absolutely before week four, um, but you know, I could definitely see it happen on Friday. Right. And just some other key call outs. And we had this on badgerblitz.com on the website for free. So make sure you guys check this out with some initial reactions to the depth chart being released and what we saw. But another thing, John Chanel walk on former walk on, if I'm not mistaken, John uh, from Grantsburg high school in state, player played eight games last year he worked his way up he's now the first team fullback mason stocky right now listed as number two stocky was injured during a bit of fall camp chanel has that ability to do fullback dives can catch the ball to the backfield from what we saw in fall camp so i think he's a little bit more versatile uh tight end of course jake ferguson number one behind him because of the injuries to luke benchwell who's not they did not list him as out for the season with that right leg injury, which looked nasty when we first saw it in that scrimmage a couple, a few Mondays ago, but uh, he is out. Gabe Lloyd is that's out for South Florida game. We don't know the extent to how, when he'll return, uh, but Gabe Lloyd, the walk-on who I would have presumed to be number three entering fall camp is out for the season with his right leg injury. And, but you have Jack Eschenbach, the redshirt freshman now, as the number two tight end on the depth chart. Uh, and Paul Chris mentioned some things about possibly having a skill set that they could, it could possibly help them this season, but going to offensive line, John Caden Lyles, Joe Rudolph mentioned to me and a couple other reporters a couple weeks ago about how they tightened his responsibilities just down to the guard positions. And it helped them immensely in that transition to back to the offensive line compared to defensive line. And he said he was going to compete for starters reps. And we saw a lot of Jason Erdman and Josh Seltzner as first up with the first team offense during those eight open practices, though Caden Lyles also, when Tyler Biotish was limited, they had Erdman slide in, slide in to center and Lyles got first team reps at left guard, but he's listed as, an or designation at both left guard and right guard. And Paul Chris talked about it earlier today, but surprised by Lyles being line, you know, the or designation at both spots. You know, I was, I was surprised, I guess, earlier in fall camp uh, because going in, I thought that he was probably going to be one of your starting guards. And, you know, as camp wore on and, you know, reports that that came out uh, from you, you know, it sounded like, 
uh, Erdman and Seltzner would be those guys, and, and that's held true um, at least up until week one, uh, you know, according to this depth chart. And, you know, obviously with the the or indication there, you know, that, that obviously shows that Wisconsin feels like Lyles is – is, you know, the next guy up at both spots and, you know, he's very close there. So, um, you know, I, I think overall, you know, at, at this point, it's not as surprising, but, uh, you know, like I said, I went into the season thinking that he was going to be a starter. Um, you know, if you look at the five across the board, all five of those starters are guys that you would expect to start against South Florida from the state of Wisconsin, uh, which is pretty cool. And then, you know, if like we talked about, you know, a couple podcasts ago, I think there's, you know, eight or we thought there were eight linemen that was, you know, Joe Rudolph felt comfortable playing. And uh, that certainly looks to be the case. If you look at the depth chart, obviously the five starters, uh, along with Tyler Beach, uh, David Mormon, who I think you'll see maybe at some jumbo tight end and uh, uh, obviously Caden Lyles as well. So I think they feel pretty good about eight guys on the offensive line right now. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Joe Rudolph hopes that all eight stay healthy this season. And then let's get to some mailbag questions. We're going to disperse them around with our looks at the offense and the defense. Uh, and then also we'll have some mail uh, recruiting mailbag questions. We'll say for the end of the show, but first off for the offense mailbag question, do you think we'll see Mertz or Wolf get some experience early on during the out of conference play? John, I'll let you start first. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, with, you know, with the red shirt rule, I would imagine that you do see some of Graham Mertz if, you know, I, it, I'm talking non-conference here, if the if they have a comfortable lead. But again, you know, maybe Chase Wolf is the next guy that they put in there to want to get some experience. So, um, you know, because of that red shirt rule, I think you you might see Graham Mertz. But again, J- Jack Cohn is your, is your number one unquestioned starter. So, you know, I would imagine this isn't going to be something where you see two quarterbacks, you know, during the game when it's a close and competitive game, unless I'm missing something here, you know, unless I guess if I did see that, I would be surprised. I, I just think that Cone is their guy and, you know, uh, Mertz and, and Wolf are the backup. So um, I would assume that if you do see them, it's a mop up time, but uh, you know, you've, you've talked about Jake, the, the kind of unique skill set that Chase Wolf has, you know, maybe they put him out there for some packages to, to give a different look. But again, I think that, you know, Jack Cohn is a starter and, you know, you, you're going to see him uh, in, unless something drastic changes uh, against South Florida and really moving forward after that too, as well. Right. And I, I think Chase Wolf with that skill set could be used in some RPO, some, for those that don't know, run pass options. He could, I mean, there's a dynamic ability with him where he can really obviously run, which is why the RPOs are so dangerous where you have to, Defenses have to keep that possibility of him running, uh, but he can also throw the ball. He's got a strong arm. It's just the decision-making, so we'll see what he can, uh, how he progresses and continues to develop. And, of course, we know about Graham Mertz with that ability, the, the, the great arm, accurate arm for the most part. I thought he overthrew like a couple of practices. He was kind of overshooting receivers, but I don't know if that was because of receivers cutting off the route or going a different way. Uh, but I, dig- I digress there. You know that the former four-star signee has that talent. And this quarterback room is, in my opinion, one of the most talented rooms that I've seen in some time. And I've said this before in the podcast, since 2011, when one Russell Wilson and one Joel Stavi were in there. So I would say I think we'll, we should expect something 
uh, depending upon how the out of conference goes. And, I th- and you hit it right on the head, John, with that too, where if there's mop up time, I would expect Chase Wolf or Graham Mertz getting some form of action to just get used to the, obviously running the offense. Uh, you have to have your backups ready. You're, and I, I'll say it once, I'll say it again, because some, someone had asked me on Twitter earlier today about just if they're, if, you know, talking about possible transfers, if, you know, with a, you know players not winning the first, you know, the starting job, I said you're one step away from, you one snap away from being in the game. So like I said, there's three, I think, really good quarterbacks for Wisconsin right now. And Danny Vandenboom's, in my opinion's good as well. Uh, though, obviously those three cone Mertz, and Wolf got the majority of those snaps during fall camp. So uh, I think they'll be, I think Wisconsin's quarterback situation is really good right now. Heading to defense. One thing that stood out, Keanu Benton, true freshman from Janesville Craig, in-state talent. Number two nose tackle. We spoke with him and we had an article and we had the YouTube video that we posted about him. Um, so that, you know, it seemed like over time he, you know, he continued to work in it with the second team reps. So that's not much of a surprise there, but you know, Fayon Hicks, Duran Harrow, you and I both predicted it in our projected depth chart. After those eight open practices, they are listed as the starting corners, Caesar Williams, Rashad wild goose. Number two, uh, in terms of second team on the depth chart, I think you could see wild goose in the slot and nickel situations based off of what we saw towards that second end of the second week. He got more of those consistent reps as the third cornerback in. So again, we'll see what happens against South Florida and their kind of spread look. And we'll talk more about the Bulls coming up in our podcast on Wednesday, hopefully with uh, Kelly Quinlan from runningthebulls.com, our rivals network uh, cousin that covers South Florida. But uh, here is a mailbag question to John. Have the starting quarterback cornerbacks in Hicks and Harrell separated from the pack because of consistent consistency or ultimately talent or upside? Well, you know, I go back to the media day uh, to start fall camp. And, you know, Paul Christ, um, he made it a point to talk about uh, Fayon Hicks and, you know, the way that he liked, you know, how he attacked the spring and the summer. So I think that was probably an indication that, you know, the staff felt pretty good about him and, uh, you know, his skill set and what he was bringing back. Uh, you know, Harold, I guess you could, you could say is a little bit of a surprise. I don't think it's for – you know, uh, lack of talent behind him because I, you know, I think, uh, you know, there, there certainly is there with, you know, guys like wild goose and, and Dante Burton and, you know, even, even guys from the freshman class as well. I, I know that they're pretty high on. So, um, you know, I think Harold, uh, brings something unique too. I mean, he's, I think he's the tallest corner on the roster and, you know, obviously that, that's certainly, um, you know, something that you want to get on the field for, for teams that have, you know, taller, more physical, uh, wide receivers. So, um, you know, I, I think that Hicks is a guy that you probably felt like because of the comments to start was uh, going to be a guy that was, you know, going to be atop the depth chart. But, you know, maybe Harold was a little bit of a surprise, but you know, I, I certainly think that he earned that spot and uh, he brings a unique skill set because of his size and length. Yeah, I agree with uh, it's really an interesting dynamic where we talked about just on paper, the depth, the apparent depth that Wisconsin had. And this to me you know, I, we, we predicted in our, in our depth chart, just based off of, you know, I know Hicks was injured for that second week for the most part and did not practice, but you know, you, you mentioned it before in the media day, both Jim Leonard met, called out Fayon Hicks, uh, you know, just how he approached things from 
uh, you know, throughout the winter conditioning through, I think it was winter conditioning through up to fall camp uh, starting. And then Harrell, he's been the consistent one where during that second week when Hicks was out, Caesar Williams was first up, but Harrell still got those first team reps or initial first up reps, if you will. So um, I think it's consistency. I mean, I talked to Jim Leonard about that too, because he had mentioned during the spring that the safety group had really stepped up their game, but the cornerbacks had shown a lot more fl- their flashes and they were, they're doing much better than they were last year, but they were also a little bit more inconsistent, but he said that they're, the group's getting more consistent from what he's seen. And, you know, Harold, from what it looks like, uh, it, you know, he is going to get the nod. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Come South Florida. And again, it will be interesting to see who is that third cornerback. Cause I think both fan Hicks and Rashad Wilders could play in the slot, but it's a good problem to have for Jim Leonard and his defense. The other question, uh, a couple more questions for the defense before we get the special teams. Talk about Sanborn. Jack Sanborn has been quiet this fall. Is he continuing to cement his starting spot at inside linebacker and justifying all the hype? Um, I'll start this one off. And from what we've seen, all the first team reps, in my opinion, have come from what I saw during fall camp, came with Chris Orr and Jack Sanborn as a tandem. You know, Sanborn's obviously a former four-star inside linebacker, a prep linebacker for that matter. For me, you know, he had a safety. I know for one of the things, it was one of the first full practices in fall camp. He made a blitz and you could call it a safety. He sacked quote unquote, cause he did not hit Jack Cohn, but basically tagged him, had a safety there. I think he's been low key solid and you haven't heard a lot. Cause I mean, I know we've talked a lot about Leo Chanel and his pass rushing ability and people are hyped about a true freshman who may have, probably should have gotten more offers uh, in my opinion, but Wisconsin locked him down early for the 2019 class. But I think Sanborn and Ork will be a, you know, in my opinion could be a really good duo. It's going to be hard to live up to what TJ Edwards and Ryan Conley did last year. But I think the chemistry starting to work between Orr and Sanborn more. And I, I expect it to be a, a solid unit uh, barring injury, I think is a big thing, but I think Sanborn, but like I said, again, low key solid throughout folk fall camp, uh, and he'll continue to grow within a defense. Yeah, you know, I, I middle linebacker going into camp and I guess throughout camp was pretty straightforward. And I think during camp, you know, in the practice that you're able to see, you're, you're, you're looking at more of the you know the true camp battles, and um, you know, Orr and Sanborn went into fall camp as the projected starters, and obviously they they left that way and. Um, you know, maybe because you kind of glossed over that, um, you weren't really paying attention to that group as much as you were, uh, you know, other groups that were, I guess, a little bit more wide open. So, um, you know, obviously Jake, you were there and you, you could speak more to that, but I just think that, you know, when you're looking at those practices, you you feel pretty good about saying, okay, those are going to be our starters there. I want to see maybe some of the younger guys, or I want to look at some of the other camp battles there. So I don't think it's, you know, because Jack Sanborn had a bad camp that no one talked about him. Uh, and I, th- I think that him and Orr obviously flashed at, at points, but um, you know, those are two guys that you probably were counting on or you, you penciled in to be all right. So you know, I think that the, the attention at times maybe focused on other spots. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, especially since it looked like in the spring, nothing changed in terms of first team reps in my opinion, between that, those two, though, I think Mike Mascalunas, I know Chris Orr praised him during big 10 media days in terms of his athleticism and his growing stronger. And Chanel, obviously uh, it, 
appears like a physical freak. And if once he, I mean, it's his first year still, once I think he continues to learn the defense, he could be a, an extremely potent playmaker for Jim Leonard in that defense. Last question for defense in, in terms of the mailbag are John or Jake surprised to see David Pfaff listed ahead of Isaiah Mullins on today's depth chart. Why or why not? John, I'll let you take this one first. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, he's a redshirt senior. He should know the defense by now. It's his fifth year. And I remember Paul Chris mentioning that exclude, you know, not exclusively, but with reporters on th- at Thursday of big 10 media days, when the beat writers all gathered with him to talk in a 50 minute session, which that was a lot of transcribing for me, but I'll digress there. But he mentioned that, you know, it's his fifth year on that end. I uh, was expecting something, but I'm not necessarily surprised uh, though. I feel Mullins, Obviously, I think maybe, you know, down the road, obviously has the potential to start uh, and make an impact as well. Yeah, just because you're not on the depth chart doesn't mean that you can't play. Uh, You know, so if if Mullins got in there at some point, it wouldn't be surprising. But, you know, like you said, Fox is a fifth-year guy. They know what they have in him. He's kind of an energy guy, you know, where where you feel good about putting him in for a few snaps. And, you know, he's going to know what to do, one, and then, you know, he's going to give you a lot of energy as well, too. So, I mean, you know, obviously I think – you know, when you look like a, at a guy like Mullins, the the upside is you know obviously far greater than than Faf. But you know, when you have a fifth year guy who knows what they're doing, and you know he's he's playing in that backup role, you know I, I think that's where you see him on the depth chart again. You know, Mullins I think still has some steps to take. You know, even though the staff is obviously very high on him, uh, I think there's a reason why he's he's not in the two deep. Uh, you know, it, it could be consistency. It could be a number of things. But, you know, right now I, the, the two deep reflects guys that they feel good about playing. And, um, you know, Fop is a guy that's I – mean, I don't want to say he's, like, absolutely proven. He, you know, he's kind of played spot and mop-up duty. But I think you know what you're getting with him. And, you know, obviously they, they want Rand and Laudermilk on the field as long as they as long as long they can. And you, you hope those guys are healthy. But, uh, you know, they, they know what they have in Rand. Uh, you know, I think he's dependable. Uh, and I think that that's why you see him on the depth chart ahead of a guy like Isaiah Mullins, who, you know, right now is just, just a redshirt freshman right now. So there's, there's a long way to go for him, um, in terms of what he can do at Wisconsin. Looking at special teams. I don't know. To me, the only thing that stood out out of this outside of Fayon Hicks being the number two kickoff returner, because it, to me, it felt like, you know, Kendrick Pryor was back there. We didn't get to see Hicks as much when it came to, like I said, that second week. Uh, and also his responsibilities with the defense, but Colin Larsh, number one field goal kicker. There's no, or when it comes to that, Zach hints, number two, though, I still feel in my opinion, gut feeling hints might take those longer field goals. Uh, you saw the 62 yarder. We've referenced, referenced it before against Northwestern last season, but anything, uh, I guess anything with special teams that stood out to you besides maybe Peter, uh, Bowden, Bowden, the, uh, true freshman walk on Josh Bernhagen was out with an injury for a good portion of the practices that were available to the media earlier this month. Anything else stand out to you with special teams? Yeah, nothing surprising. I mean, the stuff that you talked about, um, you know, Larsh winning that camp battle, you know, a job that Paul Chris said was, you know, pretty much wide open going into camp. Um, but I think that, you know, he's a guy that's probably more accurate, but like you said, Jake, you know, if they're going to try a 63 yard or something like that, they, they probably put hints in there because he has a stronger leg. And then, you know, uh, uh, hints, uh, I'm sorry, not hints, uh, fan Hicks, uh, there's, is the backup returner. 
you know, that was one edit that we made on the projected one. Uh, so we flopped him in there for prior. But, you know, aside from those two things, I mean, special teams is pretty straightforward. And, um, you know, you, you return a lot of guys from last year. So I think you would expect that unit to be better than, than it was last year because it, it wasn't very good last year. Last depth chart mailbag question before we go to break. We've been already talking and we got some season predictions and some recruiting mailbag to get to before we wrap it up on this early edition of the badgerblitz.com podcast this week. Don't see any real surprises, but who do they have listed behind the two deeps, especially wide receiver, offensive line, and cornerback? Um, John, I think you'd agree with me. We don't know when it comes to that. They only give us the two deep. I mean, we could probably make projections where like, let's say wide receiver, Jack Dunn, Adam Crumholtz would be the next up. Aaron Crookshank, maybe the same too. I think Crookshank could have a, obviously he's explosive. He wasn't named in the top five, that uh, wide receiver group that Paul Chris mentioned last week in terms of having a good camp. I think that speaks some volumes when it comes to Crookshank being not as consistent as the other five um, O-line. I mean, the two deeps there, we think there are eight players that are game ready. We'll see what others can do if they need to step up there. Uh, maybe a Michael Furtney down the road there. Uh, cornerback, really, you know, I think there's Dante Burton there. Samar Melvin got some reps, Alexander Smith. But there, there's nothing that's absolutely listed behind those two deeps that we would know about, that we know of offhand, right? Yeah, I would say the next wave of receiver would be obviously Dunn, uh, Crumholtz, and then Crookshank, and then maybe behind them in that next wave, uh, obviously Abbott and Mustafa. Uh, but like you said, Jake, you know we we don't know for sure. We know the guys that are in the two deep um, offensive line. You know, Fertney's a guy that came to mind as well, maybe at one of those guard spots. Um, but you know, you I think that you know uh, uh, at tackle, you know Tyler Beach is probably your backup at at both spots there. You know, obviously with Mormon a guy that can play a lot of different spots. You know, we haven't really heard anything about like a guy like Aaron Volpel who moved from defensive end over to the offensive line. So, you know, right now I think beyond those eight, you know, you, you don't really know at this point for sure. And then cornerback, you know, there's a lot of guy in, guys in that room. Um, you know, I'm curious about maybe a guy like Travion Blaylock, who I know that they like quite a bit, a guy that could, you know, probably play a little bit of safety for you as well. But, um, you know, the guys in the depth chart are the guys that I would expect that, that you'll see on the field uh, against South Florida and beyond that as well. So we're going to take a quick break, come back. We got some season predictions real quick, and then we got recruiting mailbag. We'll wrap that all up here on the early week edition of the badgerblitz.com podcast powered by overtime media. Returning back here on the badgerblitz.com podcast, of course, Powered by Overtime Media, and we are in the Vivid Seats studio. John, let's get to some season predictions coming up now. Let's start it off. Jack Cohn. We talked about, obviously, QB1 over under 25 touchdown passes, which is actually the touchdown mark that one Alex Hornibrook hit just two seasons prior. Oof. I'm going to go under, but not by much. I'm going to say he throws... 23. Ooh, so I'll go, I will go under on that, but I think it'll be close. I mean, I, I still think this is a team that's going to want to obviously with Jonathan Taylor in the, in the backfield, uh, you know, do a lot on the ground 
Um, but, you know, I, you're going to see Cone's role expand quite a bit this year. Uh, so I, I think he's under, but I, I think it's close. Yeah, I'm going to go over by one. I think 26. I'm going to predict 26. And I think that's due in part to Quintez Cephas returning. You have, I think, AJ Taylor catch four to five. I think Danny Davis could catch five to six. Jake Jake Ferguson, the tight end, will be a key target on third down. And I think he you've seen the ability of him in the red zone. Uh, Cephas, despite missing the final four games of, was he a final four or five games of, 2017 still led the team in touchdown catches with six. I think once he's fully up to what you would call football condition. And once he's more used to the offense and kind of the variations they've had to it this year and working a little bit more with chemistry, I think that could be right around probably four between four to six. John, I think Garrett Groshick will catch one to two. And then you also have, you know, I think really, Jonathan Taylor maybe could have two to three of them. So I think you'll get about 26 uh, in my opinion. And, and we'll see what comes to that. And if they have, if he throws 26 touchdown passes and then you have Jonathan Taylor running for another 14 to 16, that offense is going to be potent. I'm not, I don't think it's going to be where 2010, 2011 teams were, but I think Wisconsin's got a lot of underrated firepower now, and it really will be interesting to see what they can do especially starting against South Florida this week. Going to another quarterback, Graham Mertz. We talked about it earlier, that red shirt rule over under four games played in 2019. Oh, I, I think with, with the way things are going right now, the smart bet is on the under, right? I mean, you know, because Jack Cohn is your starter. And you would expect him, unless he gets injured or unless something crazy happens, you know, during the practices that we can't see during the year, that that he'll keep that job. Um, I would say under, but I, you know, you would expect him to play. You know, I, I think they want to see what they have in him. You know, obviously you get a good glimpse in practice, but um, I, you know, with the redshirt rule, I think he's a guy that plays exactly four games. But um, if I have to answer this question, I'd say he plays under. Yeah, I think he'll play. Right now, I'll say under. I think it's also the effect with J- with Chase Wolf being in there, and I think both of them being listed as co second team quarterbacks. I think I think we'll see action from both of them. I think it might be like I said, I might maybe they'll split those reps a little bit more. Uh, again, it's going to be really interesting next spring what happens and how that competition rolls out between all three of them. But yeah, I'll go under for right now. It's way too early, and like I said, uh, we've said before, one snap away from playing in the game. So barring injury right now under with injury, obviously that entirely changes last one for season predictions. We'll have more by the way, predictions for the game against South Florida coming up later this week on our Wednesday edition of the podcast. Just to let people know too, we're going to just kind of pulling back the curtain on this with the podcast. We're going to try to do the podcast on Sundays uh, right after the game, more analysis interviews, some breakdowns, hopefully some, we can get some, snap counts, etc., based off of what our subscribers want. Uh, but I digress there, but we'll have a little more of a recap on Sunday. And then Thursdays, we'll drop the game preview podcast, hopefully some Q&A with a rivals beat writer that covers their respective team that Wisconsin's facing, etc., cetera, uh, and some game predictions there. So we'll have the South Florida, our predictions for the game and some breakdowns coming up to you Wednesday, since it's a day earlier. Uh, Wisconsin obviously plays on Friday, 
August 30th. But last question for the season, way too early. Wisconsin, top 20 defense. Uh, over. So they're outside of the top 20. I just, I still, I, obviously I think this defense is going to be improved. And I think a, a big, big part of that is obviously the defensive line. You know, with Laudermilk and Rand there, I think that could be a good unit. Uh, I just, I don't know where the big playmakers are on the defense yet. You know, I think that Green May and Pearson are two guys that are unique and they bring a, a skill set that maybe Wisconsin didn't have at those positions last year. Um, but again, I just, I don't know where your big playmakers are. And I'm talking like, you know, TJ Edwards type player, uh, you know, Ryan Conley type player, uh, even Van Ginkle when he was healthy, you know, I think he was a, a big time playmaker. Uh, I just, I don't know, at least right now, you know, where that big time playmaker, when I need to play that, that changes the game, where that comes from. I think there's guys that, that could get there. I just don't see it right now. I think the defense has improved, but I don't think it's a top 20 defense in the country. Yeah. I think people with last year, Van Gingle was hurt for most of that year. I think if he's healthy for at least half of those games that he wasn't, it's a completely different defense. Uh, he was one of the most athletic players on that defense last year and had a, a key playmaking ability that many didn't. So uh, I would say, you know, based off of, we got a lot of questions, I think, answered in terms of who's going to be the first up in terms of, uh, especially with outside linebacker, Isaiah Green May, with that pass rush. You know, I, I think I'm going to, if Rand and Loudermilk stay healthy, I'm going to qualify this. I think they could be top 20. And I think it's if they, if you have Rand and Loudermilk staying healthy, that's going to open up some more gaps for the linebackers, both inside and outside the blitz. And you guys remember from a couple episodes ago that I predicted my bold prediction for the year would be that an inside linebacker would lead the team in sacks. However, I, I like what Zach Bond has done in fall camp, and I think Isaiah Green may provide a really intriguing pass rush and athleticism to the position too. So uh, I'll say top 20 because I also like the secondary, and I like the inside linebacker group. Again, that qualifies if there's if it stays healthy. Uh, and of course, that's in football, that's always a big question. So uh, now uh, let's turn our retention before we wrap up the show. I got a few recruiting mailbag questions. We'll make these quick for everybody. First up, John, as we transition, a couple of questions about the next verbals in the next two classes. Who is the next verbal for the 2020 class and who is the next 2021 verbal commit for Wisconsin, in your opinion? Uh, I think we could have something soon in 2020. Uh, we'll start with that class. You know, you look at the official vi visits coming up this weekend. Um, you know, James Thompson has basically said Wisconsin is his top school. Um, and, you know, he's also considering a couple other official visits, you know, potentially to, I think Iowa State and Pittsburgh. But I think if things go well for him um, while he's on campus uh, the weekend of September 6th, that, that he could leave committed to Wisconsin. And I think Isaac Smith's in that same boat. He'll be on campus that weekend uh, as well. And, we're you know, we're still waiting for someone who I consider – to be committed in this class to, to make that decision public. So I'm not counting him on that. So I think that, uh, you know, you look at that first home game against central Michigan, there's two guys there with James Thompson, and Isaac Smith, that, that could be your next commit in the 2020 class. And then, oh, yeah. 2021, you know, that I, I think, you know, I, I think the easy choice there, it, just because he's an in-state kids, probably Hunter Wooler, uh, the, the safety from Muskego who, um, you know, I got a chance to see on Thursday. 
you know, just looking at those guys, I don't know anyone else that is is close to committing or has talked about narrowing their focus. But you know, a guy like Wooler, I, I think that he feels really good about Wisconsin and Michigan State at this point. He's visiting on the twenty first uh, for for that game, and I don't, you know, I wouldn't expect anything to happen then. But I think if if you're looking at the next guy, it, it might be Wooler. You know, maybe a guy like Brian Sanborn has been on campus a bunch. Obviously, the younger brother Jack Sanborn we talked about earlier on the podcast. You know, maybe he he comes up and and has a surprise commitment a little bit earlier than maybe people expected. But um, you know, I would say Wooler with maybe a guy like Sanborn running behind him. But again, those two guys have not talked about you know a timetable or when they'd like to get things done. So um, I, I think there's there might be still a long way to go in 2021, but. Again, anything can happen when you get get a guy on campus. So I think those two might be the two guys that I would watch right now. Say, someone asks straight up, John, do you think Wisconsin has a recruiting problem at running back? No, like at like absolutely not, one hundred percent no. Um, you know, look, Wisconsin, if they wanted to have someone committed at running back in this class. Uh, you know, they, they could, and obviously they, they've missed on some guys here. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, they could go offer, you know, a, a, a three-star kid from, you know, you pick a state out there and they could, you know, if they turn up the heat on that guy, they could have someone committed there. You know, I, I think they're, they're doing their due diligence and they're, they're going off the recruiting board. And obviously, you know, they, they had a guy like, uh, Kevontre Bradford on campus for his official visit in, in June. And they're still waiting on a, a decision from him. And, you know, things, you know, maybe are not trending in the right direction for Wisconsin there. Um, you, you've, like I said, you've missed on some other guys. Uh, the, the kid that just committed to, to Nebraska, Morrison, he's talked about taking an official visit uh, in, in the fall. Um, and, you know, just even if you go back a couple recruiting classes, uh, you know, in the Jonathan Taylor's class, they went into the fall without a commitment from a tailback. And then they flipped Jonathan Taylor. And now he's going to be a Heisman Trophy contender. So, you know, there, there's a long way to go. Um, obviously, I think fans wanted them to hit on one of their top guys. Um, that hasn't happened. But, you know, to answer the question, do they have a, a recruiting problem at running back? No, they, they don't. And you, you can go now in the 2021 class. They they wrapped up Loyal Crawford and uh, even a guy like Jackson Acker pretty early. Now, again, those are in-state kids. And Wisconsin at the time was was their only offer. I get that. But uh, I, I don't think there's a problem there. I think they're going to get a quality back in the 2020 class. Uh, we just don't know who that is yet. That wraps up our recruiting mailbag, folks. We'll try to get some more. I'll have a, hopefully on badgerblitz.com, uh, a wrap up with some other questions from folks on our subscriber message board, the Badgers then. That's a great way to really to interact with our community and obviously, if you guys subscribe to Rivals.com, you get not just BadgerBlitz.com's articles, but every article on the Rivals Network and on every team site. So make sure you guys check that out. And then, of course, you get the exclusive access to the Badgers Den, and that's where we have our subscriber mailbags. I'm hoping to get another mailbag feature written up in just the next couple of days. But, John, uh, wrapping up here on the show what we got? What do we have coming up? I know we're gonna have more videos coming up soon. Tomorrow, I'll have a three-two-one feature that's been prominent on BadgerBlitz.com. What else should we be? What else should fans and subscribers be looking forward to this week as we ramp up before I head down to sunny, humid Florida to cover Wisconsin South Florida? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we are in game week mode. It started today, uh, you know, a day early than, than expected. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a lot of coverage on South Florida. Um, you, you mentioned the stuff that you still have coming out, Jake. Uh, hopefully we can, you know, get a few recruiting items up. Uh, you know, obviously we got uh, the two – uh, stories that we had about, you know, the, the, the elite eight for the 2020 classes up on the site. Now, uh, the sweet 16 for the 2021 classes up on the site. Now, um, you know, I am going to forgo the Badger game on Friday, at, at least for the time that it's live to get out to another high school game, uh, to get some film and reaction there. So, you know, again, I, it, we're in game week, so South Florida, but, um, recruiting will always be up on the site and, uh, we hopefully, We'll turn some stuff out on that front as well before you cover uh, the Badgers on Friday and I cover a high school game on Friday. It's going to be crazy. And like you said, you saw, folks, you saw John and I both out at high school games this past week too. I was at Brookfield Central on Thursday. John did double duty. He did a double shot uh, on Thursday, Friday. He went to, obviously, Muskego Marquette, that big matchup there with some Wisconsin connections. And then he went to Maguanago and Waukesha North to watch Chimray DK, the Wisconsin 2020 wide receiver commit. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have more of that coming up to where you can find us, of course, on Twitter at Badger Blitz, Badger underscore Blitz for John at McNamara Rivals for me at Jake Coco, Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers on BadgerBlitz.com. And we have an Instagram page. We'll have some photos coming up once the season starts up there. And then for this podcast, folks, it's free. You subscribe. All that means is depending on where you get it from, from Apple podcast, Google podcast, or Spotify. When you subscribe, you hit that little subscribe button. Whenever this goes live on one of those mediums or on overtime media, guess what? It comes straight to your device, whether it's a phone, whether it's an iPad, whether it's your desktop, it's there for your viewing instantaneously, whenever that is uploaded and approved by those media. So be sure to do so there. Hey, give us some ratings. We want to make sure this is the most Wisconsin-centric podcast out there. We want your input. We'd love five-star reviews to continue to, to move up the ratings there and to, you know and whatnot. But get, you know, we want you guys to be genuine too. So uh, let us know what we can do better. We'll have a lot of fun with this, and we'll have more mailbag coming up. This is a part of the community, the Badger Blitz community, and we hope that you join us. For John McNamara, this is Jake Kokorowski. We will, we will return. Coming up just a few days from now, we'll talk some South Florida. We'll break down the, the game in general, keys to the game. We'll have a Q&A with Kelly Quinlan from running the Bulls. We'll talk more. We'll hopefully have some player interviews or some coach interviews that will intertwine there. And we'll also talk some more uh, recruiting possibly and, and where, we'll, where John will be coming up later this week for some high school football before we all, uh, before I head down to South Florida. So thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you guys later this week on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.